Our second scripture reading this afternoon comes from the book of James, the third chapter, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. My dear friend Alan starts off every single sermon by saying good morning. Even if he's already said good morning to you earlier in the service or before church. We frequently exchange sermons before Sunday morning to check each other for heresies or not funny jokes or stories that are too long-winded. And every time this strikes me as weird that he starts his sermons by saying Good morning, not that there is anything wrong with it. It's just never occurred to me to start a sermon that way. It feels completely foreign. Now, I'd never actually heard him preach one of these sermons in person prior to this morning. I'd only read them. We weren't in the same section of preaching class in seminary. And now that I've heard it live in his voice, it fits. I tend to t start my sermons in one of two ways. I either dive right in by saying what I have found weird in the scripture passage for the day or something that I've been struggling with in the passage that week, or I launch right into a story like I did today. Alan opens his sermon more like a Pauline letter with a formal greeting. To the saints in freehold, good morning. <laughs> I begin mine more like one of the gospels. Hey guys, this thing just happened. We have very different voices, but that's okay, because one of the things that they taught us in seminary, which I'm sure after checking the notes that I shared with him, Alan can confirm, is that the key to preaching is to find your own voice. No two preachers preach in the same way, with the same style. 
How boring it would be for all of you out there if all preachers preached the same way. Even among those who are called to be teachers and preachers and leaders, there is a great diversity, a uniqueness, and that is a joy and a blessing from God. But sometimes we can feel like we have to preach or act or talk or vote in a certain way to be taken seriously as a church leader. Elders, Sunday school teachers, choirs, other church leaders often feel this same way. Christians in general can feel like that. And while it is true that James tells us ad nauseum to be careful with our speech, he's not saying that we all have to have a list of rehearsed lines that we say or a particular way of sharing the gospel in order to be doing it right. James wants us to take a close look at the heart of the matter. Our words have to have purpose. There's a lot of pressure in the world to communicate in certain ways that are not necessarily good for us. Not just for Christians, but for all people, that pressure is real. As humans, we find it all too easy to drop into the prescribed ways of speech and the same old words just for the sake of having something to say. How easy is it to get into an angry Facebook comments war with someone? How quick are we to say hurtful things to and about people on the other side of the political spectrum, regardless of which side we find ourselves on? I went to Bible study a number of years back with a woman who would not accept answers like fine or good or okay as an answer to her asking, how are you? She would insist that you answer on a scale of 1 to 10 with an explanation of why you chose the number that you chose, because she was not just asking you this for the sake of asking. She really wanted to know how you were, and she wanted to make sure that you knew that she really wanted to know how you were. She was tired of the way that we use the how are you today exchange as if the words mean nothing. And I like that. She made everyone feel valued because she valued the words that we were saying to each other. A few years ago, Microsoft introduced a bot. This is a computer program designed to interact with people online through conversation. If you've ever chatted online with customer service for a large company, you have probably talked to one of these without even knowing it. And this particular experimental bot was on Twitter, the social media platform that gives users a limited number of characters to post short statuses and links for other people to read. This bot was named Tay. I don't know why, but it was named Tay. And it was designed to learn about human conversation and speech as it interacted with other users on Twitter. This project had some surprising results, as in it went south very fast. Within 24 hours, the bot had learned some pretty terrible things about how to communicate with people. It learned how to repeat back whatever people wanted to hear, whether it cared or not, badmouth anyone and everyone who disagreed with it on the things that it said, and it even learned to make racist comments, including comments about how Hitler was right after all. In 24 hours, it had picked up these communication patterns and behaviors. It learned them simply by listening in on the way people were talking to each other. 
In some ways, our tech-connected culture brings us together. We're able to keep in touch easily with friends around the world. On the other hand, we as a culture have a great outlet for being a lot less careful about filtering what we have to say. We talk just for the sake of talking, even if it's not very nice. And when you program a computer to follow the same patterns we're conditioning ourselves to, it gets really mean really fast. Now, before I sound like a grumpy old woman complaining about the evils of technology, let me bring this back around to our scripture passage, because this is nothing new. We can't blame social media for people talking like fools to one another. It's the same thing James is talking about, just in a whole new medium. James says to stop talking like fools because words matter. Give your words purpose and thought. Stop repeating the same old Christian platitudes out of one side of your mouth while repeating the same old nasty world garbage out of the other. Words can hurt people or words can heal people. They have power. And just one wrong word or misspoken idea A small miscommunication, a harsh word uttered toward a sister or a brother can set a whole community on fire. I've seen it myself, and I'm sure many of you have seen this as well. Those who are not careful with their words will reap the consequences of their folly. There's an infamous saying, it's better to keep quiet and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. This is something that we are all challenged to care about. Don't let that not many of you should become teacher's line throw you off. That's not your out. James is not saying everybody, or James is not saying that um, it doesn't matter for everyone, but rather that everyone has a special role to play, and it takes a great deal of restraint to be a good leader. He's not saying the rest of you can just say whatever you want. James says that once we get control of our tongues, of our words, the other things start to fall into place. Our tongue is physically little, and so we tend to forget about it. Words become meaningless in our culture, and so we tend to forget about them. We use them so much that we take them for granted. But if we can change our words, if we can control our tongues just a little bit, we find ourselves counted among the wise. We just have to slow down and quiet down before we start talking. And this is where this passage gets really fun for a community that is entering into a new season, as you all are. If we can just control our own chatter for long enough, rein in our foolish tongues, we can hear the Holy Spirit calling us and guiding us. That is always vital to the health and well-being of a faith community. And what a better time to enter together into a purposeful habit of careful speech and of listening to the Holy Spirit's movement. At my children's school, they have a great way of getting the kids' attention when there's a large group who they need to quiet down. The teacher will say, if you can hear my voice, clap once. And a couple of kids, usually not mine, will stop talking and clap. Then the teacher will say, if you can hear my voice, clap twice. And the first kids to stop talking will clap twice, but this time there will be more kids who heard the first clap, and they will join in. So by the time the teacher says, if you can hear my voice clap three times, nearly all the kids have figured out what's going on and have stopped talking to clap three times and to pay attention. I can just picture the Holy Spirit standing up here in this sanctuary yelling, if you can hear my voice, clap once. 
Just like the, thank you, just like the teacher on the stage at the Kafna gymnatorium thing at the school yelling out, pay attention, who can hear me? Those of us standing up here, I promise, are not any cleverer or holier than those who are not called to be standing up here, in spite of what some of us might think. We're just the ones expected to clap first when we hear the voice of the Spirit calling for our attention. So here, friends, is your job. Start clapping. And I know, we're Presbyterian. Don't panic. You don't have to literally clap unless you really want to. So as you all enter into this new season with Alan as your guide, the one trying to hear when to clap, your job is to listen alongside of him. He's the one up here week after week after week using many, many, so many words, but that doesn't get you all off the hook. As a supportive and faithful community, you are to listen carefully for the Spirit. Think fully before speaking, and in all things, speak in truth and in love to one another. And as you do so, you will hear God speaking in so many wonderful ways, through your pastor, through one another, through this charming community you find yourselves in. And when you do hear God speaking and you act on what the Spirit is doing, incredible things are going to happen in this place. Amen.